Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. Let me go ahead and knock out my update before I rush and get some coffee because I think there's so much that's been happening that I want to just get it off my brain before I have coffee because I think coffee may dilute the messaging and I wouldn't want to do that. So let's jump right into it. If you're paying attention to any graph whatsoever, if you have any of the wallets installed that send you notifications or if you're using Coinbase and it sends you notifications, you're likely already aware that the crypto market by and large, took a tank sometime early this morning. And Bitcoin, of course, is at the head of the pack, down roughly 15-ish percent, which is a significant drop for Bitcoin. What you may not realize is, well, what happened? Well, there's a couple of things that I know happened, and there's a couple of things I suspect happened. What I know happened is that the vast majority of that sell-off, which was sell-off initiated, went over into stablecoin, in this case, USD Tether, and when you see people that are pushing things into stablecoin, it can only really mean one thing, which is that they're trying to evade inflation, stabilize their, their values due to a concern about the future. So it's kind of futures trading in a, in a form, not exactly. Well, you may not know where that's coming from. The president of the United States has historically said on a couple of occasions, historically has said, that, you know, this inflation's temporary and it's going to pass. It's not a big deal. We can spend trillions and trillions and who cares? Uh, he said this, and I'm paraphrasing what he specifically said, but he has said that it, the inflation is temporary. It's not nothing to worry about. And multiple people have said, no, it's a problem and it's not going to go away soon. And we're going to be impacting the lower level. And we think, when I say we, I'm saying people who are actually thinking about it, think that in 2022, there's going to be more stimulus you know, rushed out the door because of the inflation that they've caused by way of these bills that are unsustainable money. Even with the bill that passed, it's still arguably unsustainable in what it's talking about, the rat, you know, the mass expansion of the IRS, which is really an attack on cryptocurrency. Because that's the only reason that they talked about doing it is to try to catch people that are using crypto to duck paying taxes and make the IRS basically start scanning people's bank accounts. And that's, that's, they're trying to say that by doing that, it's going to offset the inflation, but that won't offset the inflation because there's not enough money in what they would find to offset the spend that it would take to try to find it. So it's it's dog chasing its own tail, and it's it, all it does is increase government and then increase cost and all this. And then they're trying to cram through another bill, which I believe at this current tally is about $2 trillion, if not a little bit more. But the theory is that they're going to crammed through another stimulus package. Now, the past stimulus packages have not all gone. So it's trillions and trillions of dollars. So I think it was $6 trillion total. Not all of that went to American people. And so as a result of them not sending it to American people, you now have a situation where you're going to need to potentially send another batch of money, and it's not all going to go to Americans. They're going to send stuff overseas and add more socialist policy and do that. And so it's, it's not solving the problem. Like sending somebody a $1,000 check is not going to solve the problem if you've got a rent of $1,000 a month. So there's a, an assumption that people are going back to work and they're working full time and that they're making decent money. Let me level set that. And the reason I'm breaking this down is because it's all contributing factors to why people are sketchy in the crypto space and why they're trying to flatten their money because they know that this is going to have some significant sway over the next few months. When you, when you assume these things about the employment space, about salary, I can tell you right now that salaries are down. 
People who say salaries are up are only focusing on STEM jobs. STEM jobs are not the majority jobs, and they never will be. You always will have the blue collar. The blue collar jobs are down by and large, not all of them, but by and large. And the hiring process is broken, which I speak about in my other podcast, Gentleman's World, where I talk about the fact that we have employers that are discriminating against workers. We're doing personality tests, which further discriminate against workers. We're doing drug screens we don't really need to do. We're doing everything we can not to hire people. Then we try to hire people who are just like us, which is discriminatory. Then when we get them in there, we get frustrated because they don't have the skills that are needed because we filtered out the ones that did have the skills and we filtered out the positive disruptors. And as a result, we end up terminating that person or that person quits out of frustration and they keep searching for these people. And then they'll put up an article talking about it's too hard to find the workers we need. And so there's this cyclical issue on the employment space of people not being able to compatibly find a job that they can settle into that pays decent money for what it is. So because of this, it puts a strain on social services because now you have more people in the system than you really should. And that's a symptom of having more social services than should be the case. But we have to have them because unfortunately, this cyclical issue is really initiated by the federal government and the laws they refuse to fix. So because there's more people now potentially going into the social system, that means more dependency on government. That means higher tax. That means higher annual inflation because of the bills that they're passing to try to avert a lot of this. It means higher impact on you as a crypto trader or any other investor because what's happened is people will sell out their stakes in order to keep up with things. With Elon Musk and him selling his stock to pay his tax bill and it's incre- the bill that he's selling out is increasing. Well, that gives you a sense of where he was at. He wasn't selling anything for a long time and then he's accumulating a tax bill. So he, had, he happened to have the options to be able to sell out to pay that bill. Well, your regular worker is not going to have that. They're going to sell out immediately to pay their regular bills if they get laid off or they get fired or or they simply can't find a job because the employers are discriminating. They're going to sell out to feed their family. When you have those happen en masse, you now are impacting the larger crypto industry because now there's too much sell behavior often at a at a discount, meaning they're selling below the market rate, which drives the price down, which affects you if you're able to stay in it. You're hoping to buy the dip. Well, let's say something happens to you. Let's say something happens to one of your family. Let's say one of you gets you know, crippled, disabled, hurt, right? You need to be able to pay for those expenses. So now you have to also invest in nest eggs. So I'm describing the domino effect that goes with policies that are not sustainable and the impact downstream, which I believe, in my theory, is having part of an effect where people are trying to stabilize their value in anticipation of a potential sale of the stake. They don't want to sell it now at the current price because they feel like, okay, I'm good now, but something might happen, and I'm not sure what, so I'm just going to put it in a stable coin, let it marinate, and let's see what Q1 looks like. And I think that's a brilliant strategy. I'm not advocating it, but I think it's brilliant for those that have thought it through that that makes sense for them. And I suspect that many of these are going to be predominantly in the exchanges because Tether is generally on the exchanges where you see that more often than not. And because it's not USD coin, I suspect it's not Coinbase that's driving it. So that means that some of this might be even international money. I don't know exactly there. I just know that the vast majority went to USD Tether, which is a stable coin, which would only make logical sense if people were trying to stabilize the value, which would only make sense if people were anticipating a sell-off at some point in the future. 
So the reasons that I just specified, like I said, I know that the dips for Bitcoin specifically happened because people sold a lot. I know that a lot of that money went into USD Tether. Those are factual data points you can see from the from the graphs. Why and the motivations, I can't know because I can't read minds, but the only logical reason that you would dump that much into stablecoin is because you're concerned about, you know, the volatility of whatever. The only reason you might be concerned about volatility of whatever potentially is that you are concerned about excessive dips in preparation for what's to come. And then I'll wrap up with what the Federal Reserve said out here in the U.S. where they said, no, we have to really worry about this this inflation situation. Now, mind you, these are people who said before, this idiot came out and said, nope, your money's safe, your banks are safe, everything's good, we have an infinite amount of cash in the Federal Reserve, that, that same idiots, right? And so now they're saying, oh, whoops, actually, money, money printer go, it's not a good idea, actually. And we need to try to rein this in. Now they're worried about it, where they weren't worried about it, you know, a year and a half ago, now they're worried about it. That should then worry you because if now they're freaked out, the Federal Reserve who previously was happy to print money at en masse, now they're coming to reality saying this printing of constant printing of money is not healthy. It's not good for our economy. It's not helping anybody because we see that we're still having a hard time filling jobs. We're still having a hard time getting people back to normal. And then we've got the variants coming in. There's a lot of factors in play. And so that's going to affect your investments guaranteed, whether it's crypto or stock. They're going to affect your investment. So you have to be able to, this is why I say create a, get a goal and a plan because you have to adjust your strategy to meet that plan. So if you're still in the wind Lambo space, unfortunately, it's going to take you longer to get there. However, if you buy on the dips and you're patient about it, it just simply means that your Lambo will take longer to get. Fundamentally, that's what we're dealing with now. So I just wanted to summarize everything I suspect is playing a factor in a lot of these dips. But at the end of the day, to me, it doesn't affect your overall game plan. It just affects what you do according to your outcome. If your outcome is to get to a super vehicle that you don't really need, then that's fine. It just means that you need more bag as things go down. You treat it as discounts across the board. But you also are still going to have to consider your own family and feeding your people and everything. So keep it in mind and create your own plan and just make sure you always keep in mind it's always about the outcome, and you just have to adjust according to news and things that happen. But it's normal, right? It's always normal. This is cyclical. It happens constantly. It's part of the frustration of any investment is you have to be able to have the patience and the tolerance to deal with nonsense due to factors largely outside of your control because this is, this is a huge dip even for Bitcoin, and it will recover. You know, many of them will recover. I suspect Q1 you're going to see a lot of jump just because people will have um, less sketchiness. And then, of course, you know, with Christmas and everything else, I think, I believe everything will go back up. I could have it way all wrong, but that's why you should have do your own research. And let's go over our token. The token I'm going to cover today is called Koromaru. Koromaru. Koromaruemu.com is the website. So it's it was an emu token, and then it has since name changed. But Koromaru is on the... Ethereum smart chain. Uh, it is listed on Hotbit and L Bank exchanges if you're curious, or you can purchase it through Uniswap. But Cornamaro is the token is in. <laughs> I ch I chuckled a little bit when I saw the 
logo on the website, but basically it's an anime token, but it's also a dog token. And if you were to look at the logo, the, the dog that they have there, or the, I don't even, can't even call it a dog, but the animal that they have there, it's like they're taking jab. I know they're not, but it looks like they're taking jabs at Satama's logo because the, the top part of this guy's head, I don't know if they meant to do eyebrows or they did that on purpose, but it looks like, you know, kind of an anime version of the anime Satama logo. It's weird. Take a look at it. But this token came out. Let's see. When did this token release? I know it hasn't been long. I want to say early October, late September. Is that about right? That's what it looks like to me. Um, possibly even early November. Actually, now that I look at it, probably early November. So it's been out not very long. And it's reasonably stable in value. So it hasn't gone skyrocket high. If I looked at its all-time high um, jump, everyone gets a spike. It didn't have a significant spike and then a dip like every other token did. Um, when I, The max supply looks like it's as of current because it looks like they have a burn mechanic. Right now looks to be nine quadrillion tokens. If I'm looking at that right. And... The volume is really high. The volume is just shy of a million. So that's that's huge because that means that their marketing was really good considering we're that um, close to the initial launch to have that much volume already. It means people were really serious about buying into this thing. And, of course, it's been affected by what's going on in the crypto space recently. But it's other than that, its growth has been very healthy growth. It's been very steady growth with the exception of what happened here. Very few unrealistic spikes happening on it, which is always indicative of a healthy growth it looks like its volume is actually tr down from what it used to be it looks like it used to have over a million that's not a bad thing because initially you, if you had drummed up a lot of interest in a token it's going to have spikes not unhealthy spikes but just you know kind of the brief spikes of strong volume as people are buying and then some people taking profit which is normal fully diluted market cap of two million which means that it's right in the healthy space it's it's right in a point where you can still make some good money if you choose to buy into it uh, as of right now, looks like it's got 11 zero. No, that's Bitcoin. I think it has 10 zeros on this guy. 10, let's see, five, nine zeros. So you still have an opportunity to make some money off of it. But the one thing I want to call out with this one, outside of just making money for this guy, I'm not going to talk about the different uh, anime theme because I, I don't think that's going to last. I understand why they're doing it because right now it's the appealing thing, but I don't think that's going to last. I think at some point it's going to kind of die off um, that that fad of doing that. But they so it started just to break this down. It started with a hundred quadrillion tokens. They burned half of it. So them being down to nine is a that stands out to me. And I want to dig into why that is because if you started with a hundred quadrillion and you burned half of it, well, where, what happened to the other forty-one? quadrillion it doesn't say and so they say that there's 30 percent in liquidity that might explain it but that doesn't there's no indication of where that's burned how long it's burned or anything else so there's no real evidence that that's like you could lock liquidity for like a year right and then it's right back in play so i don't count the liquidity lock i don't think it's fair to say liquidity lock this much and so now you've drop down the total you know the total supply because it's not really true i mean your, your total supply is still what it is the liquidity is still there you'd still have to have it it still needs to be counted because it's part of the it's, it's there nobody owns it so that i don't really care for 
they said there was a 14% pre-sale, but that doesn't say, did they, are you saying 14% was successfully pre-sold or are you saying 14% was put up for pre-sale? That's a little bit weird. And then with that many tokens, yeah, that's a lot of tokens. 100 quadrillion is a lot of tokens, yet it only has a 1% reflection and then there's way more in marketing than reflection. I don't, I, I don't know why you would do that. And I'm calling this out not because I'm saying, oh, they're a scammer. Nothing of the, of the sort. I'm saying if you're going to create a project and you want to appeal to people and you want them to buy into this thing, I don't understand. You know, you do the tax 1% for reflections, but why 1% and then 8% for your marketing? That means that more is going to your developers than is going to your people. And I don't understand why you would do that. Because to me, it should be the the not the inverse, but you should switch that around. You should say no. Let's say five percent reflections and five percent to the marketing. That's fine, um, because you already have, I believe, an eight percent dev or five percent team rather wallet. So you got five percent for the team and eight percent for marketing, but only one percent going back to the people. I don't agree with that at all. Um, I don't know who thought that was a good idea, because to me, that's not really a good idea. And then I went ahead and looked at the, the white paper, and it's a full white paper. You know, one thing I don't like about white papers is I don't want the white paper to be overly emotional. I want the white paper to be truly indicative, technical indicative of what you're doing. What are you doing? What's your plan? How are you doing this? And their white paper seems to be a hybrid of both. Now, here's what they did that was good, which is they admitted that they initially had a project. It was a V1 project. And they apparently had issues with the V1 version of the token. And this token that I'm looking at now is a relaunch and a rethink of the smart contract. However, that means that most of the holders are probably previous holders, which means it's not really a true count of a new token. If it's true that it's a relaunch of the pre previous token, and this is what they came up with as far as the, you know, the reflections and the marketing wallet, and they're, they're touting the fact that it's a six-figure marketing wallet. I'm, I understand. I do. I just think that it's not fair in terms of the reflections to the people. I, I don't expect that. I don't like that at all. With the tax that goes into the buys and the sells, what they've done is they've wrapped it into their NFT space. So as you hold an NFT, it basically drops the tax on your uh, token buys and sells. I get it. That's a smart deal, but again, I'm I'm still fixated. <laughs> I'm still fixated on the on the whole business of the reflection versus marketing versus team wallets, and I feel that's just too darn too darn much. Um, and then they're talking about things like using your Coromaru to buy and list on OpenSea. Now, the tr the trick on this is, and this is not their fault, but the trick on this is that on OpenSea, and if you don't know about OpenSea, it's where the NFT, the, it's the it's the main guy for NFTs. There's a lot of NFTs places now, but OpenSea is the main one, OpenSea.io. With OpenSea, you have to choose a currency to mint a token or mint an NFT with whatever token you choose, which is right now Phantom, Polygon, or Ethereum are the big three that people are minting. I would say right now, Ethereum runs the roost in terms of where people are going to mint tokens. Polygon's starting to gain some traction because it's free to mint NFTs on the Polygon network. Phantom is hugely popular for people to buy NFTs. However, generally speaking, people are not accepting offers in a different currency. 
cryptocurrency than where the initial NFT was minted. So if you minted it Ethereum, generally speaking, they're not accepting, say, Phantom to be able to do that transaction. And the reason is because when you do the minting on one network, OpenSea is not smart enough to just simply dumb it down to fiat and then say, okay, you're spending $1,000. We don't care what the source currency is. We'll just take the 1000 and automatically trans, you know, transfer it and convert it to the seller and then in whatever currency they want and be done with it. They're not smart enough to do that, and I've called that out in a previous episode that I would love to see that mechanic, but it's not there. So when Coromaro says that they'll be able to purchase and list on OpenSea, my theory is that they're going to enable minting with the currency being Coromaru that allows you to, as a Coromaru holder, buy it from a Coromaru seller using OpenSea. Cool. I don't see the value of doing that. Here's why. Coromaru, by and large, is never going to overtake Phantom. It's never going to overtake Polygon. It, I doubt it'll overcome Ethereum just because Ethereum is Ethereum. So to me, listing on OpenSea is good, but unless you have a mechanic that allows you to buy any NFT using Coromaru, which is something that I don't think exists, but if you can make that happen, then that would be huge. Other than that, just having it, your own little thing off to the side is not going to do anything because you're going to have confused casual traders who want to buy this cool NFT they see that's really cheap, but they're minted on Ethereum and they're trying to use their Coromaro and they can't. So if they magically make that happen, kudos to them. I just don't think, I don't think they're going to be able to pull that off. The one thing that's positive that I will call out for the white paper is they called out costs. So the costs of doing things, the initial costs and the, onboard costs and the projection costs and delivery costs and all this. They call that out. Uh, they called out specific tasks and things they're going to do. And then they called out what their long-term plan is in the ecosystem. So it, they put thought into it, certainly, um, the way they want this thing to work. And I, whoever built the structure for this one, I don't, I don't, all I'm resonating with is when you create the mechanics for taxes and you create the mechanics for reflections and you create the mechanics for marketing wallets and teams, to me that balance needs to be stronger, it needs to be better, it needs to be more logical to benefit those who have, who have invested in you, not stronger to you in lieu of them. I just The balance of the percentage really bothers me. I know it shouldn't because ultimately... The reflections are not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. But I think with this much inventory, dumping the vast majority of it into the marketing and everything else is a disincentive to investment. Like I would not advocate somebody that's that likes the reflections to do that. Now here's the flip of what I just said. If their plan is to get on more exchanges, then it's less of a problem because if they're assuming that people are just going to buy, you know, a small amount, right, then the reflections are not that big of a deal. If they're assuming that there's going to be whales in play, those whales are not getting massive reflections, and perhaps they're thinking, we don't want the whales to, you know, excessively benefit from the reflection mechanic. Maybe that's their thought process. But regardless, if you're on an exchange, you know, L Bank will give it to you daily, but they take a slice of it. So maybe their thought is that the vast majority would come through exchanges, and that's why they went to the exchange from scratch. No problem. I would say, you know, if you look into it and you decide, yeah, sure, I want to potentially buy into this thing, then the exchange might be the way to go. That might be the way that you move it forward. 
And then I'll wrap them up by saying, I think there's a lot of ambition in what they have here. I think there's a lot of high level vision in what they have here. I don't think, I don't think they will be successful in what they got here. And there's one thing that is strong concern in their paper. They have a list of investments that they are trying to build over time. So this is their future roadmap. Things like a studio to build a game, I think they're going to fail at that just because it's it's that's like way too lofty. Um, a Hollywood studio to write and release a movie, I think they're going to fail at that one. They may be able to find one to partner with, you know, to help have some branding or marketing inside of an existing movie. I don't think they're going to be able to write and release a movie on their own. If they do, great. I don't think they will. Um, create a Netflix series, I think they'll fail. Funding a blockchain, that's easy. I, I say easy, but for them, it would be. Um, fiat on-ramps, uh, sure. Uh, new wallet, that's simple for them. Here's the one that stands out. Funding, quote, I'm quoting, funding the creation of a shitcoin whitelisted app. I have a problem with that line. Let me tell you why. When you call out that you are intentionally wanting to whitelist something, and in this case they're referring to, quote, shitcoins, the, the concern I have is who's defining shitcoin? Who's defining that? And if you're the one who's making the definition of it, that means you're going to be blocked out of coins they don't want you to trade. Well, let, let me flip it and put it back on them. And if they're listening to this, I want to smoke. If you want to come on the show and talk it out, we can but let me flip it on you. The predominant theory about what the definition of a so-called, quote, shitcoin is circles around the price of said coin and the price of Kodomaru, as I make this recording, fits square deep into the social media, the general, the populist definition of a so-called, quote, shitcoin. Thus, you would have to filter yourself out in order to be fair. What I suspect they're going to try to do is filter out ones like Shib, ones like Satama, ones like Floki, ones like Yushi, ones like Kishu, ones like Cody, ones like Kuma that they don't like. Even though their own token fits within the populist definition of a so-called, quote, shitcoin, they're not going to actively whitelist themselves. And so seeing that line in the white paper, like I said, I want to smoke if you want to bring it. But seeing that line in the white paper immediately turns me off as an investor because what you've done is you've proven you're a hypocrite because your own token fits that same definition and we know you're not going to block yours. You're just trying to block out competition. Then why would I advocate anybody use your app at that point? Now, if they're willing to rethink that statement in what I suspect they thought they might have meant, which is, we will try to identify scam tokens, which is a completely different thing from so-called shitcoin. If that's what you're trying to do is to filter out scam tokens, okay, no problem. Then we should word it better. And you should say, talk about what you mean and talk about how you're going to do it. Because it's a completely different definition from what you're saying. Scam token filtering is optimal. We would want that. We would want to know how you're going to do it. Because no tool to date has successfully been able to do that because there's no way to really know it. Even I talked about in the previous episode, Token Sniffer and Stay Safe who have completely different results for the same contract, and there's no way to know which one is legit and which one's not. And so I think you should expand this line 
to specify what you mean, and if it's what I said it was initially, that you're just going to filter out your competition, why would I advocate anybody use your app? Why would anybody bother using your app when they could just go to whatever site a mask ends up being or whatever, you know, trust wallet or alpha wallet or any other wallet that's more in the user's control? Because at the end of the day, and I said this on an old episode, at the end of the day, you can invest in something that is really not that great of a project at first, but then turns out to be something spectacular. SHIB stands out in that list. It doesn't mean that we should filter those out just because this developer over here doesn't like that token. And I think that's the wrong approach. It's borderline censorship, and it's not what you want to do, and it's certainly not what I would advocate. So if you're listening to this, I strongly advocate that you rethink that line better. You get rid of it, and you don't try to do that kind of stuff because what I don't want to see is your swaps and your wallets and everything else, your pay and everything else you're trying to put in place filtering out otherwise legitimate projects that simply don't meet what you want them to do, but they're otherwise legitimate projects because at that point, I then question why you're bothering to go on exchanges because why? Because all you're doing is turning people off. So that's my opinion on Kotomaru, which again, from the paper appears to be a relaunch, although it's brand new as of the beginning of November. Take a look at it and do your own research and see if you agree or disagree with what I'm saying, but I just don't think that it's one that I, I don't I don't advocate what they're talking about. Broadly, it looks like they're trying to do the right things, but I just don't agree with how they're doing it. It's not that they're malicious, but again, you can't make these kinds of decisions unilaterally. And I, you know, maybe your maybe your community agrees with it. That would be a red flag for me because if your community is that toxic to turn off other coins just because, then I wouldn't I would give you negative points for your community as well. Now to the up point, they have passed the certic audit. Already, yeah, let me get on Adobe. They have passed a certic audit, and then they had findings. They didn't. They, it looks like they might have had a critical, and I'm not saying they did. It looks like they might have, but they resolved it since. And then they just had one minor, uh, one, excuse me, one major, and one medium. So they didn't have a lot of findings in the paper. There, looks like whatever they did find that was a major finding. They did not uh, resolve it as of this point. But the audit is out there, so I'm assuming the paper was shared for folks to take a look at and decide if what they had in there was of any concern. Um, looking at the CERTIC uh, audit results for this guy, because now I'm curious. Yeah, so they didn't have any criticals in the report, so that was good. Um, uh, variable declares constants con is a, that's a, always, that always happens. But let's focus on the major one, which was centralization risk. Uh, yeah, that's a little bit of a concern. So essentially the major that they had in this one centers around open functions that a hacker could, could exploit. And if they did that, it could risk basically draining either people or the pool or different things. It could, it could hurt the project. So the, they, it's an owned project as of when this audit was done. It's an owned project, which is a concern, it should be. So they're basically acknowledging it, and then they're going to work on multiple wallet signature so that one owner is not at play to make these decisions. So you're basically spreading out the authentication or authorization, rather, so that's good. Um, but the I, I don't think they realized that when you own a project, this is a risk that you have, but they also would have had to own the project in order to get on the exchanges. So I do think it's a major thing. Their mitigation plan 
because it's not remediation, it's it's mitigation. Basically, you have one person who's currently in charge of the some of these functions that are very critical functions, like setting fees and setting the swaps and 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 whitelisting, blacklisting, uh, marketing fees, transaction amounts. So there's one person right now, one role that has that one wallet, think of it that way, that has the authority to do these things. What they're going to do instead is create multiple wallets in play where all of them together have to approve it in order to do it. But again, it doesn't really solve the problem. It's a mitigation. It doesn't fix it. You know, that this was, this was the, leaving that in there to me was short-sighted. Um, there's no reason to leave that kind of gap in there because it's a known thing. Um, all contracts try to do that initially, but the ones that renounce ownership are better suited because now you don't have that risk. Now you don't have the risk of a hacker being able to do it because there is no single point owner that does it and kind of the contract is turnkey. I think what they're trying to do here is to be able to change the fees you know, at will um, as for incentives you know, for the marketing side because a lot of these are about the marketing side. And this goes back to my point about the percentages and why I was so adamant about the percentage split because I just don't think it's fair. And seeing that they got functions dedicated to that tell me that they may want to increase the marketing if they don't get what they want, which lessens how much the regular people get. I just think it's unfair code. It is what it is. It's their project. Um, so it is what it is. The other thing that I call out in the report, basically all the other findings that they called out in the report and they're not like big deals they're not like super negative deals um but they chose not to fix a lot of the stuff and that's a concern um because if you have even if they're minor stuff you still should actively work to fix these things um they were talking about things to remove certain parts of code clean up the code optimize the gas and and fees on transfers and all these excessive fees and they basically called out, they asserted, called out the same things I was calling out, you know, marketing fee for sellers, just one fee type. Why are you applying a fee on sellers and buyers? Both, you know, get rid of that one. Just only to target a fee on sellers. And they said we should just do the one because that's, when you do a sell on fee and, uh, excuse me, a fee on sellers and buyers, just to clarify why this was a concern and it's shared by me. When you're doing a sell on buyers, it's a disincentive to amounts that you buy, especially when you're doing it through Uniswap, which is where the supplies. It's a disincentive to buy into the project. And so it tends to lessen your ability to grow effectively because you're charging people to buy your product. You're, you're charging basically tax over top of it. And they don't, they apparently want that. And then transfer fees, that one's just, that one's just. So if you wanted to transfer, let's say, your Coromaro to another wallet, they're applying an extra tax over top of what you're already paying in network fees. This wouldn't be a big deal if it was Binance Chain, but because it's Ethereum, that means you're talking about 100 bucks just to do transfers at minimum. I'm talking with the network plus the fee that they're applying over top of it in terms of equivalent fiat. So, you know, even Certic agrees, well, why are you doing that? And they say, eh, we're just going to do it, whatever. We don't want, we don't want circumvention of paying the fee. So <laughs> they're basically taking the U.S. government's IRS stance on how they apply taxes. Is you know you're gonna, Everybody's going to pay the tax, whether you buy, whether you sell. Everybody pays a tax, and that's just toxic. Uh, let's see. So 
So then there's a, a liquidity. This is a minor one. Um, basically, the marketing deal is us making an assumption that there's liquidity in the pool, of course, but there's no function to add liquidity. And so then you would have to add liquidity manually. And that's a huge risk. In my opinion, that should be a major because what happens if the devs are not available? ShibaSwap is a good example of this where to issue the rewards, what they said at the time was one guy has to press a button. That guy had a family emergency and he was out and he or she was out. And so rewards didn't get issued, it was delayed. And every time they need to issue rewards, they're delayed because it's a manual process. Manual is not good, especially when you're dealing with a so-called smart contract. They responded and said, yeah, we'll do it manual. We'll buy back funds and we'll manual do it. We've been doing it. We're fine. And that, I, yeah, I don't agree with that approach. Um, but they basically refused to do everything, anything except for the major one is the only one they chose to respond to, which was the, you know, about the owner. And even then they're not really fixing it. All they're doing is they're just distributing the load. So I don't see that. I mean, yeah, you go through the certic audit, you didn't have critical findings, but the stuff that you did have that, you know, arguably is kind of important, you chose not to fix it. So here's what I'll do. And this is unique to me. And then I'll wrap this up. I will, from my perspective, and again, I'm a former auditor myself. I'm somebody who works code and technology myself, and I've been in crypto space for a while. From my perspective, I would not advocate you invest in this project. Now, if you want to toss five bucks or 10 bucks and let it watch, as I've said, feel free. But, you know, a team that has this stance to it, I like, I wouldn't even want, I wouldn't even want them to have that. I wouldn't even want to support them with that. Like I'm so disenchanted with what I saw of what they're trying to do. And they're just focused on their outcomes. You know, my movie and my Netflix and the marketing fees. And I could increase those fees beyond 8%. That is a, just a greedy group of people that I'm, I understand what they're trying to do. I don't agree with it. Won't agree with it. If you want to buy in and just ignore what I'm saying, do your own research, please do. And like I say, if you want to toss five bucks at it, fine. If you feel like you want to go YOLO into it because you like the dog firing, I'm saying I don't I don't suggest that you buy into this guy because I don't I don't agree with the way the developers are positioning this project. I think it's toxic. I think it's anti, you know, consumer, frankly. It's it's against everything that, you know, what I've seen in the lower level cryptos. So that's my stance on Koromaru. I'm not gonna talk about it anymore because yeah. And of course, the fact that they're already in V2 means they failed once, and that doesn't give me good inspiration. So that's my coverage for today. Like I said, the general dips of the industry, though, you know, the I think the biggest thing to take away by the dips, certainly don't freak out about them. They're going to happen. They'll keep happening because we have, unfortunately, United States president who doesn't value money. And so he wants to take money from people and people are trying to avoid that happening. And then there's the virus and the you know everything else. So there's a lot of factors at play. I wouldn't be too concerned. You should be concerned, but not overly concerned. Just treat it as it is what it is. It'll pass. It will eventually pass. And buy the dips and just focus on the projects that matter to you in your diverse portfolio and stay solid. I think I think we're in I still think we're in for good times at some point because I think a lot of what the United States government's trying to do is going to ultimately fall out. I think it's going to fail. And there's a lot of, there are a lot of people in government that understand what we're in, what we're dealing with, and the lower level people, and they're trying to stop the damage. But we just have to deal with rocky situations ahead. And 
I do think that as fiscal budgets open up and, and companies start to get desperate for workers, I'm talking really desperate where they stop discriminating, then we'll start to see some of this kind of reverse. But just hold the line, hold the line and keep strong. Keep researching projects. Keep researching new projects. If you have money to invest, keep researching different and new projects and increasingly diversify your portfolio. Don't YOLO into any one of them. Just get more on deck so you have different projects that you're playing into, certainly not Coromaro. And watch the news, not necessarily the rumors, because the news should tell you where things are going to happen next. I don't believe that we are, I don't believe that we are at capacity. And when I say capacity, I'm saying in terms of what crypto's its potential is. Crypto is still a bit player, no pun intended, in the broad spectrum of things. Not a lot of people know about it yet. It's coming. People are still getting on board with what crypto is and how it works and how to get into it. I'm repeatedly finding people that have no idea. They've heard about it. They don't know how to get into it. They didn't realize they missed out on the Bitcoin. They'd love to get into it, and I'm educating people where I can. So there's still awareness that's lacking. Um, scams are increasing. We're nowhere close to a point of capacity, meaning that we still got some growth to do, and these are just rough times, and you're in the middle of what I believe is a breakout point, uh, especially with the pandemic, which just kind of helped spearhead things forward. So watch the news. Pay attention to the news about crypto. Follow whatever news sites you can, and I'll help as much as I can. The last update I'll make, and then I'll wrap up, I promise, is I'm going to start doing effective today. This update that I do in the morning, my time-ish, it might be in the afternoon, but I'm going to try to target morning, my time-ish, and I'm in the Pacific time zone. And then one in the evening, my time, Pacific time zone. The reason I'm doing this is because certain of my listeners that are on Spotify might be in a completely different time zone. They may not even hear this till the day after. And I want to make sure that I'm covering a different set of updates in different parts of the day according to the transactions of the day. But I also want to make sure that everybody gets at least one update that they can hear within their comfortable time zone per day. So that means there'll be two. If you don't care about the other one, don't worry about it. It'll come up on your podcast, Guru, or whatever app you use. But you can disregard it if it doesn't have topical matter that's relevant to you. But just so you know that you will see two alerts come across. I may or may not put two messages on social media just because generally I only do social media when there's certain high-level relevant things about a token or something. So... Just so that you know, that's coming today, starting. I'm going to go get my coffee right now. Have a great day. Watch out for these, these shysters over here. And keep, again, don't worry about the red. You've lost nothing until and unless you sell.